As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. On Sunday, Senator Bernie Sanders took to Twitter to deliver one of his usual messages. People go to the doctor because they're sick, get a diagnosis from their doctor, but they can't afford the treatment, he wrote. How crazy is that? So I responded snarkily, I go to a fancy store to check out a piece of furniture and I can't afford it. Totally crazy. This, of course, prompted spasms of apoplexy on the left. How could I dare to compare medical care to furniture? Was I equating the two? Was I suggesting that the necessity of furniture was somehow comparable to the necessity of medical care? Of course not, because that would be stupid. I was pointing out that medical care is a commodity, and that in life, we are often faced with commodities we cannot afford. But this mere observation caused a ruckus on the left. Necessities don't compare to luxuries, said one angry tweeter. Bless characters like Ben Shapiro for demonstrating the complete soullessness of capitalist ideology, tweeted another. The idea here seems to be that unless you declare medical care a right rather than a commodity, you're soulless. That as Marx might put it, necessity rather than autonomy creates rights. This is foolish, both morally and practically. Morally, you have no right to demand medical care of me. I may recognize your necessity. I may offer charity. My friends and I may choose to band together and fund your medical care. But your necessity does not change the basic math. Medical care is a service and a good provided by a third party. No matter how much I need bread, I do not have a right to steal your wallet or hold up the local bakery to obtain it. Theft may end up being the least immoral choice under the circumstances that doesn't make it a moral choice or suggest that I have not violated your rights in pursuing my own needs. But the left thinks that declaring necessities rights somehow overcomes the individual rights of others. If you're sick, you now have the right to demand that my wife, who is a doctor, care for you. Is there any limit to this right? Do you have the right to demand that the medical system provide life-saving care forever to the tunes of millions of dollars of other people's taxpayer dollars or services? How exactly can there be such a right without the government rationing care or using compulsion to force individuals to provide it or confiscating mass sums of wealth to pay for it? The answer, nope, doesn't work that way. Rights that derive from individual need inevitably violate individual autonomy. In response to my tweet, my colleague, New York Magazine's Jesse Single, wrote, quote, free markets are good at some things and terrible at others, and it's silly to view them as ends rather than means. That's not true. Free markets are expressions of individual autonomy, and therefore they are ends to be pursued in and of themselves. Now, practically, declaring medical care a right doesn't make it actually happen. Just as Ruth Bader Ginsburg said at one point, she would model new constitutions on the South African Constitution, which guarantees, quote, everyone has the right to have access to health care services, including reproductive health care. The state must take reasonable legislative and other measures within its available resources to achieve the progressive realization of each of these rights. That's what the South African Constitution says. But the World Health Organization ranks South Africa somewhere near the bottom of the globe in terms of medical care. What happened? Why didn't the right self-actualize? Because medical care is a commodity, and if you treat it differently, that's stupid. To make a commodity cheaper and better, you need two things, profit incentive and freedom of labor. The government destroys both of these things in the healthcare industry. It decides medical reimbursement rates for millions of Americans, particularly poor Americans. This, in turn, creates an incentive for doctors not to take government-sponsored health insurance. It regulates how doctors treat with patients, the sorts of training doctors must undergo, the sorts of insurance they must maintain. All of this convinces fewer Americans to become doctors. Undersupply of doctors generally, and of doctors who will accept your insurance specifically, along with over-demand stimulated by government-driven health insurance coverage, that leads to mass shortages. The result, an over-reliance on emergency care, costs for which are distributed among government, hospitals, and insurance payers. So, what's the solution for poor people? Well, not to declare medical care a right. 
certainly not to dismiss reliance on the market as some sort of perverse cruelty. Markets are the solution in medical care, just as they are in virtually every other area. If you treat medical care as a commodity, that means temporary shortages, and it means some people won't get everything we wish they would have. But that's also true, but worse, with government-sponsored medical care, as the most honest advocates will admit. And whereas government-sponsored medical care requires a top-down approach that violates individual liberties, generates over-demand, and quashes supply, markets prize individual liberties. They reduce demand. You don't demand more of what you have to pay for. And they heighten supply through profit incentive. So, back to the furniture now. Let's say your life depended on this choice today. You either have to obtain an affordable chair or an affordable x-ray. Which would you choose to obtain? Well, if you're not stupid, you choose the chair. That's because there are lots of types of chairs produced by scores of different companies, widely distributed. You could buy a $15 folding chair or $1,000 antique without the slightest difficulty. By contrast, to obtain an x-ray, you'd have to work with your insurance company, wait for an appointment, and then haggle over price. Why? Because the medical market is way more regulated, thanks to the widespread perception that healthcare is a right, than the chair market. Does that sound soulless? True soullessness is depriving people of the choices they require because you're more interested in patting yourself on the back by inventing rights than by incentivizing the creation of goods and services. In healthcare, we could use a lot less virtue signaling and a lot less government. Or we could just read Bernie Sanders' tweets while we wait in line for a government-sponsored surgery, dying, presumably, in a decrepit chair. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All righty, so there's a lot to get to today. For some reason, there are certain songs playing in my head like Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head and um, Shower the People You Love with Love. But we will get to all of that. The media have lost their minds, by the way. They've completely lost their minds. Trump did a press conference today. And uh, basically, I can give you the short version of what that press conference looked like. Here's this short version right there. Yeah, that's, that was Trump versus the media. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and then we have uh, actually a, a quick live shot of CNN headquarters right now. Yeah, there's, there's that. So we'll get to all of that in just a second. First, we have to thank our sponsor, Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep, they make fantastic, fantastic mattresses. So uh, I, as I've said before on the program, I am a very light sleeper, so I require a very comfortable bed. And Helix Sleep makes that happen for me. You go on the, onto their website, which is at helixsleep.com. And you fill out a questionnaire and ask kind of your body type, how you prefer to sleep, which do you prefer to sleep on your side, your back, what's your weight, how's your body weight distributed, do you like it a soft or firm mattress? And then they send a mattress to your house. It can, they can even make mattresses that are customized for each side of the bed if there are two people. And, uh, and that means that they send it to you in the mail, you unwrap it. It inflates because it's a, it's a foam mattress. And then you, you put it down, you sleep on it, and you try it for 100 nights. And if you don't like it, then they'll take it right back. They will take it right back uh, and um, they will uh, for, a, for a full refund if you don't love it. 100% refund guarantee. It's great. You should totally try it. It's uh, Mattresses, solid mattresses are really expensive. Helix Sleep is cheaper. It's also better. We actually took a, a, a more expensive mattress and we put it in the other room because we liked the Helix Sleep mattress better. If you want it, go to helixsleep.com slash Ben, helixsleep.com slash Ben. If you buy a customized mattress, it can cost thousands of dollars. I know this does not. It can cost well under $1,000 over at helixsleep.com. And if you use the slash Ben, number one, you're showing that we sent you. But number two, you get $50 off your order. Helix Sleep, fantastic sponsor. Check them out, helixsleep.com slash Ben. Okay. Wow. So, so many things happened since we last spoke. So many things, and they are all hilarious. So no one said the end of the world wasn't going to be an absolute circus of joy. And that's exactly what it has been. It has been a circus of absolute joy and wonder. So all of this starts last night when CNN begins a news tsunami by running a story about how U.S. intelligence officials have briefed President-elect Donald Trump and President Obama about these rumors, these intelligence reports that suggest that Trump has been working with the Russians and that the Russians have all what they call compromat, which means they have, uh, I guess, uh, they have some compromising information on Trump and that they're going to blackmail Trump, essentially. Here's what CNN reported, quote, the allegations were presented in a two-page synopsis that was appended to a report on Russian interference in the 2016 election. The allegations came in part from memos compiled by a former British intelligence operative whose past work U.S. intelligence officials consider credible. The FBI is investigating the credibility and accuracy of these allegations, which are based primarily on information from Russian sources, but has not confirmed many essential details in the memos about Trump. 
The classified briefings last week were presented by four of the senior most U.S. intelligence chiefs. That would be DNI Clapper, FBI Director Comey, CIA Director Brennan, and NSA Director Mike Rogers. So, basically, they present these supposedly classified documents to Obama and Trump, including allegations that Russian operatives claim to have compromising personal and financial information about Trump. And that's the extent of the story. And so the entire world goes nuts. This is nuts, right? I mean, Trump is being briefed on the fact that the Russians now have all this dirty info, and maybe this explains why Trump is so warm toward Russia all the time. Now, to skip forward in the story for a second, CBS News appears to now be blowing this out of the water. They now say that this never happened. According to CBS News, a senior U.S. intelligence official with knowledge of the preparation for the meeting with Trump said that Trump was not briefed on the two-page addendum to the dossier. And uh, multiple officials say the summary was included in the material prepared for the briefers, but the briefing was oral. No documents were handed to Trump. So that means that even the CNN story wasn't true if the CBS News report is true. But this CNN story breaks, and the entire world is lit aflame. The entire world goes on fire. It just, it just blows up. And then, and then the world ends, right? So it's already blowing up, and then the pieces implode themselves and create a black hole of news. That's because of Ben Smith and BuzzFeed. So BuzzFeed releases the actual memos that were supposedly compiled for this, for this briefing for Trump and Obama. And these memos are insane. They're insane. I mean, they say things like Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, was in the Czech Republic meeting in Prague with Russian agents to get information on Hillary Clinton. They say things like Trump is deep in bed with Russian business sources and that they've paid him lots of money. It says that Putin has been cultivating Trump as an asset for years. And of course, the most, the most trafficked allegation and the reason I'm making pee-pee jokes today, I'm not, I'm not enough of a man not to make a good urine joke. I'm sorry. I can't. If, if you're if you wanted if you wanted pee pee jokes, you're in luck today because today is your day. But the, one of the allegations is, and it's too it's too salacious not to mention. The allegation is that, that Trump went to Russia and stayed at the Ritz in Moscow, and um, and stayed in. <laughs> sorry, it's so ridiculous. Stayed in Barack Obama's suite, the one that he used to stay in with Michelle Obama, and then. Uh, proceeded because he hates the Obamas to hire a bunch of Russian whores to to come in and have a golden shower party to pee on the bed in front of him because that's how much he hates the Obamas. And this, so this this thing is flying around the web. Golden shower is is trending, and uh, and Ben Smith releases this statement trying to explain why it is that he even put this thing out. Because he himself says in the report, they say that this stuff is unverified, we don't know how to check it, there's no way to check it, we're going to put it out anyway. Screw it, we're putting it out anyway. <laughs> by the way, it had already been run by a bunch of other people, including David Korn, David Korn of Mother Jones. He didn't put up the full report, here's what he tweeted about it. This is a, He said, I accurately characterized the memos, this is important stuff, but did not publish details, even Donald Trump deserves journalistic fairness, but not from BuzzFeed. So Ben Smith writes, as you have probably seen, this evening we published a secret dossier making explosive and unverified allegations about Trump and Russia. I wanted to briefly explain to you how we made the decision to publish it. We published the dossier, which Ken Bensinger obtained through his characteristically ferocious reporting. It's not ferocious reporting to just release a document. So that, as we wrote, Americans can make up their own minds about allegations about the president-elect that have circulated at the highest levels of the U.S. government. So we're just going to release this information. We're not going to provide you any way to verify it, but you do it. You do the verification. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do the verification or you're supposed to do the verification. That's sort of BuzzFeed's job. It's why all of these other news outlets ripped into BuzzFeed and said, what the hell are you doing? But BuzzFeed releases it anyway, this this report that is chock full of total crazy towns. I mean, total crazy towns. Now, it's possible that the CNN report is quasi, it's, it's somewhat more legitimate than the BuzzFeed report. The BuzzFeed report is just, here's a document we obtained, boom, put it online, and we're not going to tell you whether it's true or false. Also, Russian horse peed on Trump. Right, that was basically the BuzzFeed report. The, the CNN report said, okay, we have sources that say the intel community reported this to Trump. That raises questions about how CNN knew that. Is the intel community leaking? I mean, this entire campaign has been about leaks, so I guess eventually we're going to arrive at this point where it's leaks about leaks. But, you know, that said, uh, the, the, there's, there's Mark Ambinder at the, Mark Ambinder at the Atlantic. He said that the, uh, the intelligence community didn't just summarize the dossier. It also included other information. In any case, BuzzFeed runs this, and the world goes insane. And very quickly, Trump is able to debunk some of this stuff. Very quickly, Trump is it, but we'll get to Trump's response in just a second. So first, before we get to that, 4chan, which is sort of the, the trolling 
the the trolling website for the all, all of the best trolls are on 4chan. It, it's it's troll central. It's where all the cave trolls hang out. And 4chan releases a statement, uh, basically, or people from 4chan saying that they have actually created this stuff from whole cloth, and they sent it to an anti-Trump operative named Rick Wilson, a Republican named Rick Wilson, and Wilson gave it to the intel community, so they trolled the entire intelligence community. There's no evidence that this is true. Other than a couple of people on 4chan saying some stuff, there really is no evidence that this is true. Uh, Wilson himself denies this. Uh, He says that all this information has been out since August. That's the same thing that was being reported by CNN. Uh, So there's no reason to think that what 4chan said is true. There's also no reason to think that what BuzzFeed put out there is true. So we have a bunch of unverified information floating around and people taking sides. And then Russia jumps in. So the Kremlin gives a response. And the Kremlin tells CNN, quote, The Kremlin has no compromat on President-elect Donald Trump, according to Putin's spokesman, Dmitry Peskov. Compromat is the Russian term for compromising information intended to be used against someone. And uh, Peskov said the Kremlin does not have compromat on Trump. Information does not correspond to reality. It's complete fiction. And then, another, uh, and then he also said that we don't even do this. Right? They, 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 actually said that there is, uh, they actually said that they don't even spy on people. They don't even do compromat. Compromat isn't even something that we do, which is uh, no. That is, if you think the Russians don't gather information on people, that'd be crazy. So now we finally get to the now we finally get to the the Donald Trump team response, and Trump has been handed the ultimate gift, just this massive gift by BuzzFeed. Because imagine it had just been the CNN report that said that there are reports that he had heard about all of this, and that the intelligence community was checking it out, and that's all we knew. Well, then he'd have some questions to answer, wouldn't he? But that's not all that happened, right? Instead, you get this this BuzzFeed report that very quickly people start going through and debunking. So, for example, Michael Cohen, who is the lawyer for Trump and is mentioned in this in this compilation of supposed intelligence on Trump, he immediately tweets out and he says, um, no, I've never been to Prague. And then that's confirmed that he's never been to Prague. USC says that he was actually at USC on the date that he was supposed to have been in Prague. CNN comes out and says, oh, it was a different Michael Cohen. A different Michael Cohen. Not one who worked for Trump, just some guy named Michael Cohen. Okay, well, that's weird. All right. Um, and then the and, the and the Trump team comes out and they say this is this is just pure garbage. Ryan's Priebus, White House chief of staff, he says this is just nonsense. This is made up. So um, what is uh, the president-elect's response to the BuzzFeed and CNN reports? And will he talk about them at 11 o'clock today in his press conference? Well, I mean, the, the, the BuzzFeed memo is total, complete garbage is what it is. And I look. BuzzFeed themselves said it was garbage. The New York Times wouldn't even print the document because it was unverifiable. This is what this is. There's tens of thousands of retired agents all over the world. You've got some agent somewhere, maybe in the UK, that hangs a shingle and says, pay me a rate. I'm going to do opposition research. He does a memo or she does a memo. This thing circulates for months. It's unsubstantiated. And voila, it shows up. I, inter- I talked to Michael Cohen. One of the basis of this entire report is that a guy named Michael Cohen, who works for the Trump Organization, went to Prague and had a meeting with Russian agents. He'd never been to Prague in his life. I don't know what it says about the report. In fact, the coach of USC baseball in Southern California said, wait a second, he wasn't in Prague. He was with me in Southern California with his son. Well, the I guy's mean, never there, been there to Prague. Parts, there Prague, are parts of Southern California, California. that look Prague-like. <laughs> right. No, or right. Not. But, so wait, he denies I'm, all of it, and obviously, you know, he's doing that on good sourcing. This is the beauty of what BuzzFeed did actually in favor of Trump, right? By releasing all this information, half of which is, I mean, a lot of which, for all we know, all of it's garbage. But some of it certainly is garbage. By doing that, they allow Trump the ability to come out and say, everything that we've ever heard about Russia is untrue. There's nothing going on with Russia. All of this is crap, and the media is out to get me. Because guess what? The media was out to get him here, right? They, they actually were out to get him. Seth Meyers had on Kellyanne Conway last night, and he asks her about the, the Russian reports, and uh, Kellyanne Conway slaps him around a little bit. The, the press report was about allegation. them going to the president. And it says that they never briefed him on it, that they appended a two, two pages to the bottom of his intelligence report. I believe it said they did brief him on it. Well, he has said that he is not aware of that. Okay. That concerns me. Um, no. I'm concerned. No, he is but in not general, I, I just want to... I, I understand. No, I understand that... Uh, uh, and it's not true. What is not true? That I'm concerned? No, that, that, I, that I see. Okay, I assure you I am. Any... <laughs> I agree. Now, but not? shouldn't we care if the Russians tried to interfere, whether it affected the outcome of the election or not? Isn't that something that 
I sometimes fear that the president-elect has no curiosity as to the amount they try. That is completely false. Okay. He, is, he has enormous curiosity. I'm there every day with him. He has a number of different meetings every day, briefings and otherwise. Uh, he was curious enough to figure out America. He knew America when many other That's Republicans a pivot did right not. Right there, Kellyanne. No, and Democrats did not. That is a. And by the way, in America and one America. You, no one does it better. <laughs> Nobody does it better. Uh, Sixty-three days in. Uh, why did it take so long? That's a lot longer than uh, uh, presidents usually take to speak to the press. Well, the president-elect has been very busy forming his government. But it, every president who ever puts together government they is haven't had. They haven't had, uh, well... They haven't had to meet with Kanye? No, they haven't had to. <laughs> they haven't had the Kanye meeting? I love the Kanye meeting. So Myers has her on, he's grilling her. But what she's actually saying is true, because NBC News came out and said that it was not atten uh, addended to the document and it wasn't mentioned during the oral briefing. So she's actually telling the truth here, and Seth Meyers is just refusing to believe her. And this is what's happened in our politics, is that if there's a bad story about Trump, everybody who doesn't like Trump immediately leaps to believe it. If there's a good story about Trump, everybody who likes Trump immediately leaps to believe it. The truth has no bearing anymore. It's just pure partisan hackery on all sides. Well, we have to say hello to one of our new advertisers, and thank you to one of our new advertisers, Blue Apron. So if you like fresh food, if you are sick of packaged food, if you, you know, some of us don't have time to, to actually go out to a restaurant, or some of us actually like the taste of fresh food better, food that's just prepared for, you know, that you can prepare yourself, but you don't want to spend all the time going out there, picking all the ingredients, making all the recipes. That's what Blue Apron is for. My wife actually said to me several years ago, wouldn't it be great if there was some sort of service where you could order what's in the meal and they just send you the ingredients and you cook it yourself so it's fresh and it tastes better, fresh, high-quality stuff. That's what Blue Apron is. So for less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make these sorts of delicious home-cooked meals. It is guaranteed. They, they, deliver, they guarantee that all of, the, all of the ingredients will be delivered ready to cook and they will be delicious. And uh, it, is, it is easy. They all come with step-by-step -step recipes and everything can be prepared in 40 minutes or less, which if you've ever cooked for a, for a solid meal, that is not a lot of time at all. You can also customize the kinds of meals that you want based on your preference. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping if you go to blueapron.com slash Shapiro, blueapron.com slash Shapiro. I've had a lot of family and friends who've eaten the product of Blue Apron. They say that it is just fantastic, first rate, better than going to a restaurant and certainly better than getting some sort of packaged meal you toss in the microwave. And you don't have to spend time at the market trying to pick out the ingredients because Blue Apron does all of it for you and they give you the best recipes. It's a better way to cook. Blueapron.com slash Shapiro to get those first three meals free and it is a fantastic service blueapron.com slash Shapiro use slash Shapiro so they know that we sent you and they have all sorts of by the way um, different meals uh, that are that are apparently really, really good. I mean, it's like chipotle pepper enchiladas with with sour cream and such. I mean, it's, it's really high quality stuff. Okay, so we're going to say one more thing and then we will have to break here. So Trump himself responds and, uh, and the way that he responds uh, is less he has a clear win here. Let me just say, Trump has a clear win, right? The BuzzFeed report comes out, it's a bunch of crap, and Trump has a very clear win. And the clear win should be him coming out and saying, all of this is crazy. Are you guys crazy? Like, what What in the world? What in the world? And then Trump does what Trump does, which is he makes some boo-boos. And this is going to be one of the more epic episodes of Good Trump, Bad Trump that we've ever done here on the Ben Shapiro Show. It's pretty, it's pretty epic. So why don't we play the song real fast? Good Trump, which one will we get today? There was some certainly epic good Trump here, and there was some you know, relatively epic bad Trump. So Trump immediately comes out tweeting about the BuzzFeed story, and here is what he tweets. He tweets, Russia just said the unverified report paid for by political opponents is, quote, a complete and total fabrication, utter nonsense, all caps, very unfair, exclamation point. Okay, so... Tip to the wise, if you are trying to tell people that you do not have associations with Russia, nor do you trust them, nor are you in their pocket, it's probably not a wise move to quote them denying the report. Okay, there are lots of reasons to deny the report. You should know whether the report is true since you are the subject of the report. Quoting the Russian intelligence community that just said that they don't spy on people, that's not your best tack. But he continues along these lines. Russia has never tried to use leverage over me. I have nothing to do with Russia, all caps. No deals, no loans, no nothing. Which may or may not be true. He's not releasing his tax returns, as we'll get to in a minute, so we don't really know that, but we, let's assume it's true for a second. And then he tweets, and this one's correct, I win an election easily, uh, well, not easily, a great movement is verified, and crooked opponents try to belittle our victory with fake news, a sorry state. 
fair. And then finally, he finishes, intelligence agencies should never have allowed this fake news to quote-unquote leak into the public. I don't know if he's trying to make a P pun or if he just doesn't know how scare marks, uh, scare quotes work. He says, one last shot at me. Are we living in Nazi Germany? <laughs> no, President Trump. We are not living in Nazi Germany. President Trump, who is the president of the United States because you were elected in a presidential election as the president. Also, typical tactics of the Nazis did not include leaking damaging but false information to the press. Typical tactics of the Nazis included murdering your political opponents, imprisoning millions of people, and then systematically killing them. Also invading foreign countries for no reason other than you needed some more room for Germans. So, no, it's not Nazi Germany. And again, there's, there's just it's some typical good Trump, bad Trump. We have to break here. And if you want to watch the rest, and there's so much more to come, you need to stop by. You need to go to dailywire.com right now and become a subscriber because the visuals on this are amazing. You're going to want to, watch, you're going to, want to see the tape. Uh, it's it's dailywire.com. $8 a month gets you a subscription. If you get an annual subscription, I believe that we're in the waning days of the, you get a free copy of my novel, True Allegiance, uh, and signed by me. If you become an annual subscriber, we have a bunch of new things that are about to come out for subscribers. So you want to go and get an annual subscription right now at dailywire.com. We are the the largest conservative podcast in the United States. Okay, so now we get to the really good stuff. Now that we kicked off all the freeloaders, now we get to the really good stuff. So the, so the really good stuff is Donald Trump's press conference today. And holy bleep. Woo! I mean, I was sort of waiting for Ashton Kutcher to just sort of pop out from the woodwork and go, punked! But it didn't happen. Instead, it was just incredible. It was just incredible, incredible, incredible. So we'll just jump right into it. Donald Trump begins. He goes out there, and his, he's got his whole family out there, and he's got his entire staff out there. It's his first press conference. His president's elected to the United States, and he gets to do the thing that Donald Trump loves best. He gets to mash people. It's his favorite thing. In this, in this particular rendition of Donald Trump as president-elect, the part of Jeb Bush will be played by CNN, and the part of Donald Trump will be played by Donald Trump. So... We begin with clip 20 because this is the one that's making all the news. He's very angry at CNN for having reported the fact that he, the, the, the notion that he was supposedly told about Trump-Russia ties by the intel community. And here is Donald Trump mashing a CNN reporter named Jim Acosta. Information that was false and fake and never happened got released to the public. As far as BuzzFeed, which is a failing pile of garbage, writing it, I think they're going to suffer the consequences. They already are. And as far as CNN going out of their way to build it up. And by the way, we just found out I was coming down. Michael Cohn. I was being, Michael Cohn is a very talented lawyer. He's a good lawyer in my firm. It was just reported that it wasn't this Michael Cohn they were talking about. So all night long, it's Michael Cohn. I said, I want to see your passport. He brings his passport to my office. I say, hey, wait a minute, he didn't leave the country. He wasn't out of the country. They had Michael Cohn of the Trump Organization was in Prague. It turned out to be a different Michael Cohn. It's a disgrace what took place. It's a disgrace. And I think they ought to apologize to start with Michael Cohn. Sir, since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Go since ahead. You're, no, Mr. President-elect. Go, go ahead. Mr. President-elect, since you are attacking no, our news not you. organization, not you. can you give us a chance? Your organization you're, You are attacking terrible. our news organization. Your organization Can you give us a chance Let's to go. ask a question, sir? Go ahead. Sir, can Quiet. you state... Quiet. Can, Mr. President-elect, go ahead. Can you, you state categorically... She's asking a question. Don't be rude. Mr. President-elect, can you give us a question? Don't be you're rude. You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. Can you no, give I'm us not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. You are fake news. Okay, wow. So, this administration is going to be interesting. Uh, and uh, that was immediately followed up by Breitbart slash Trumpbart's Matt Boyle asking Donald Trump if you could, he's kind of mini Trump Matt Boyle. I mean, I know, I know Matt. He, and he immediately comes back with, you know, Mr. Mr. President-elect, the media is a bag of crap. How would you fix it? It's like, oh, my God. Okay, so this is going to be a full-scale crap show. So two things about this. One, everything Trump just said there is true. Everything that he said there is true, and it's glorious. And when Trump hits people, this was very early on. People forget this because I became, because I'm, I'm 
you know, very skeptical of Donald Trump. Very early on, one of the things that I said about Trump that was good, and it's something that I said continuously throughout the campaign was good about Trump, is the man knows how to throw a punch. I mean, he certainly knows how to throw a punch. And here he comes in, both fists are wailing, and he just goes directly after CNN and starts punching the, the living crap out of them. Now, I will make a side point here. Okay, a lot of people on the right were saying, Jim Acosta, how could Jim Acosta of CNN try to ask a question when he wasn't called on? How could he do something like that? Now, it's time to bring back the old shoe. Ah, yes, you remember the old shoe. Yes, I know you do. This is the shoe that you put on the other foot. Okay, let's imagine that they're a reporter who called out a question to to, to Barack Obama after Barack Obama ripped their outlet. Let's imagine it was a conservative outlet, like, say, I don't know, the Daily Caller. And let's say there was a person, like, say, Neil Monroe, and he called out a question to Barack Obama, and Barack Obama shut him down. And the entire media declared it out of line, just terrible. How could he do this? Would you be happy? You weren't. Okay, I wasn't either. I thought that Neil Monroe had every right to yell a question at Obama. If he didn't want to take it, that was his problem. I don't think Acosta did anything wrong here. I don't think he owes Trump an apology. Uh, And I think that it's kind of jerky of Trump not to answer CNN's question just because he didn't like their original story. Even if the original story was false, I think they should ask the question and he should hammer them. That would be the best use here. But that said, is it viscerally satisfying to watch Donald Trump place his ample posterior on top of CNN and just crush them with his ass? Yes, it is highly hilarious. And they, ab- and they absolutely deserve it. And then it continues. And then it continues. Here is clip 14. Trump says that it is a disgrace that this information got out in the first place. These meetings, as you know, are confidential, classified. So I'm not allowed to talk about what went on in a meeting. Uh, but we had many witnesses in that meeting, many of them with us. And I will say again, I think it's a disgrace that information would be let out. Uh, I saw the information. I read the information outside of that meeting. Uh, It's all fake news. It's phony stuff. It didn't happen. And it was gotten by opponents of ours, as you know, because you reported it, and so did many of the other people. It was a group of opponents that got together, sick people, and they put that crap together. So... Uh, I will tell you that not within the meeting, but outside of the meeting, uh, somebody released it. Uh, It should never have been, number one, shouldn't have even entered paper, but it should never have been released. But I read what was released, and I think it's a disgrace. I think it's an absolute disgrace. And he is exactly right. So good Trump there. He is exactly right. It is a disgrace. This is how he should respond, and this is how he did respond. So good for Trump for responding that way, saying that the the release of this report was a disgrace. He does have a problem. That is that if the intel community is leaking information on him because they don't like him, that's going to be a continuing thing. That is not going to stop anytime soon. It's not going to be a situation where... The, where the, the intelligence community suddenly comes around and loves Trump, he's going to be facing this down his entire administration, which is not good for his administration whatsoever. Okay, so that's, that's some good Trump. That's some good Trump. Then we get to some not-so-good Trump, because for every good Trump, there is some bad Trump. It was a wild press conference, folks. I mean, it was just, woo, crazy. Woo! <laughs> Put on your clown shoes, because we're about to go jumping on some rakes. So... Donald Donald Trump uh, is is asked about Vladimir Putin. Remember, this whole shtick was because Donald Trump has been so consistently an advocate for the Russians. Uh, And here is Donald Trump talking about Vladimir Putin. If Putin likes Donald Trump, I consider that an asset, not a liability. Because we have a horrible relationship with Russia. Russia can help us fight ISIS, which, by the way, is number one tricky. I mean, if you look, this administration created ISIS by leaving at the wrong time. The void was created, ISIS was formed. If Putin likes Donald Trump, guess what, folks? That's called an asset, not a liability. Now, I don't know that I'm going to get along with Vladimir Putin. I hope I do, but there's a good chance I won't. And if I don't, do you honestly believe that Hillary would be tougher on Putin than me? Does anybody in this room really believe that? Give me a break. Okay, so... (laughs) Um, yes, I think some people believe that you will be soft on, on, on Putin. And, uh, and when he says things like, it's an asset, not a liability, that Putin likes me, you sort of have to add, ask yourself, why would Putin, who is an actual murderous dictator, like Donald Trump? Okay, it's not actually an asset. In fact, I think it would be more of an asset if, if Putin were scared of Donald Trump. You know, Machiavelli always says that if you have to choose love or fear, choose fear. 
because love is very often predicated on the notion that you have common interests. We don't have common interests with Russia. Um, so that is that that you have to put in in your in your bad Trump category. In in other bad Trump news from this press conference, uh, th- this actually I don't know whether to put this in bad Trump or good Trump. It's more just bizarre Trump. Trump is asked specifically about the allegations that he was peed on by Russian prostitutes, which is a weird allegation straight from the straight from the memory hole of David Brock. Uh, and here is uh, here is Donald Trump. Uh, responding to that in possibly the most bizarre way any president has ever responded to anything ever in the history of mankind. But I always tell them, if I'm leaving this country, be very careful, because in your hotel rooms, and no matter where you go, you're going to probably have cameras. I'm not referring just to Russia, but I would certainly put them in that category. And number one, I hope you're going to be good anyway. But in those rooms, you have cameras in the strangest places. Cameras that are so small with modern technology, you can't see them and you won't know. You better be careful or you'll be watching yourself on nightly television. I tell this to people all the time. I was in Russia years ago with the Miss Universe contest, which did very well. Moscow, the Moscow area, did very, very well. He can't help himself. And I told many people, be careful. Because you don't want to see yourself on television. Cameras all over the place. And again, not just Russia, all over. Does anyone really believe that story? I'm also very much of a germaphobe, by the way. (laughs) Believe me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure you've never heard that combination of words in that particular order. Monkeys typing Shakespeare for a million years could not come up with that. That is spectacular. So first of all, he warns everybody about the pinhole cameras in the Russian hotel rooms. And then he follows that up with a story about the Miss Universe contest that did very well, by the way, very well. And then he concludes with, I'm a germaphobe, so I wouldn't have Russian prostitutes pee on me. Wow. Wow. Well, I guess we're in uncharted territory, gang. So there's that. I've run out of words. There are no more words to describe what you're watching on tape. Um, Yes, there is. Is there an alternative reality where the Nazis and the Japanese won, but it's actually like the real reality? And we just ended up in this one because the man in the high castle somehow allowed us to access that alternative reality. Because what is going on? Woo! (laughs) Okay. Well, then, then it gets more serious. And he talks about what he's actually going to do with his businesses. And this is actually a little bit more serious. So he actually, there, there were moments of serious policy interspersed with talk of, of Russian PP parties uh, and, uh, and talk about BuzzFeed being a, a flaming pile of, of garbage poop. Uh, so uh, he, he talked a little bit about how he's going to separate from his, uh, how he's going to separate from his businesses. And uh, here's what he had to say about it. People have learned a lot about my company. And now they realize my company is much bigger, much more powerful than they ever thought. We're in many, many countries, and I'm very proud of it. One second, and I just what have I'm to know, going- it, is, it is so wonderful how every time he mentions himself or his companies, he feels the need to add this modifier about how big and wonderful they are. It's just, it's, it's, it's like a personality quirk that's just, it's sort of charming and wonderful. In the same way that it's charming and wonderful that every time my daughter actually goes to the bathroom because she's being potty trained, she runs out and she starts screaming, yay! Like, we, dude, you don't have to, like, talk yourself up anymore. You're president-elect of the United States, for God's sake. Like, you don't have to talk about the size of your business, but you can't. Uh, go play. What I'm going to go. be doing is my two sons, who are right here, Don and Eric, are going to be running the company. They are going to be running it in a very professional manner. They're not going to discuss it with me. Again, I don't have to do this. They're not going to discuss it with me. And with that, I'm going to bring up Sherry Dillon, and she's going to go, these papers are just some of the many documents that I've signed, turning over complete and total control to my sons. Okay, so what the actual plan is, apparently, and we'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow when we have more time, and it hopefully isn't quite so busy, because this has been a crazy news day, um, is, uh, is his plan is that he's going to turn over the companies to Don and Eric, and that they're not going to be associated with the government in any way, and they won't talk about what's going on with the businesses. Trump will still license his brand inside the United States, excuse me, on a case-by-case basis, but he won't do it outside the country. Uh, he's supposedly going to sign away all of his interests. But then at the very end of this, he says, and then... It, After I'm done being president, I'll go back and I'll look at the business and I'll say, if you did a bad job, you're fired. 
He actually said that, really, like at the very end of the press conference, which sort of destroys your entire I'm separating from my company routine, right? If I run Daily Wire and I say to my deputy managing editor, okay, I'm going on vacation to Hawaii. When I come back, if you did a crappy job, you're fired. Who's in charge of the company? It's not the deputy managing editor, right? I'm still in charge of the company because I can still come back and fire people. Guys, that means you. But in any case, Donald Trump basically says that, and then he expects everybody to take that at face value. Not totally comfortable with his solution on any of this. He could have just handed it over to some neutral third-party business person that everybody trusts to, to run the thing. Uh, and, and I think everyone would have been satisfied, but he's not doing that. It does raise more conflict of interest questions. Uh, but it's good image. That's why he's stacking all of these papers right there. Uh, and I, I would love to see somebody just run up and start grabbing copies of them because I wonder if you could actually take them. Uh, in any case, and that was Donald Trump's press conference in which he gave the entire media uh, a golden shower. So meanwhile, in other important news, uh, Rex Tillerson is on the Hill. He's being questioned right now. Uh, to to go to the uh, to, to become Secretary of State, and the senators are all questioning him about this, and it's not going well for Rex Tillerson. So while Donald Trump is busy stepping on the media with his with his giant feet, uh, the the Senate is grilling Rex Tillerson over his Russian ties. So Trump is trying to say, "I'm not enthralled to Russia." I don't know, by the way. I don't care really whether Trump's enthralled to Russia, whether they have corrupt material on him per se. What I do care about is his policy. And Rex Tillerson made pretty clear that he's not going to be an an anti-Russian Secretary of State. He's going to be very pro-Russian Secretary of State. Marco Rubio, who's very hawkish on Russia, questioned Tillerson in front of the Senate today, and here's how it looked. Is Vladimir Putin a war criminal? I would not use that term. Well, let me describe the situation in Aleppo, and perhaps that will help you reach that conclusion. Uh, In Aleppo, Mr. Putin has directed his military to conduct a devastating campaign. He's targeted schools, markets, not just assisted the Syrians in doing it. His military has targeted schools and markets and other civilian infrastructure. It's resulted in the death of thousands of civilians. This is not the first time Mr. Putin is involved in campaigns of this kind. And what's publicly in the record about what's happened in Aleppo and the Russian military, you are still not prepared to say that Vladimir Putin and his military have violated the rules of war and have conducted war crimes in Aleppo. Now, those are very, very serious uh, charges to make, and I would want to have much more information before reaching a conclusion. I understand there is a body of record in the public domain. I'm sure there's a body of record in the classified domain. And I think in order, in order to deal with a serious question like this, Tillerson, the uh, happening in Aleppo is be, in the public domain. The videos public, and the pictures are there. Fully informed before advising the president. Well, I encourage you. There is so much evidence. There is so much information out there about what's happened in Aleppo. Leaving the Chechen issue aside, what happened there is clearly documented as well. There's so much information out there. It should not be hard to say that Vladimir Putin's military has conducted war crimes in Aleppo because it is never acceptable. You would agree for a military to specifically target civilians, which is what's happened there through the Russian military. And, uh, you know, I find it discouraging, your inability to, to cite that, uh, which I think is globally accepted. And good for Senator Rubio there. We'll see. But Rubio, by the way, hasn't said whether he'll vote for Tillerson or not. He may vote for Tillerson anyway, despite these objections. Uh, he continues on this line, and you'll see Tillerson is very, very weak when it comes to Russia, which is one of the reasons that Trump selected him. Uh, Mr. Tillerson, do you believe... Uh, that Vladimir Putin and his cronies are responsible for ordering the murder of countless dissidents, journalists, and political opponents. I do not have sufficient information to make that claim. Are you aware that people who oppose Vladimir Putin wind up dead all over the world, poisoned, shot in the back of the head? And uh, do you think that was coincidental, or do you think that it is quite possible or likely, as I believe, that they were part of an effort to murder his political opponents? Well, people who speak up for freedom in uh, regimes that are repressive are, are often at threat, and, and, this, and these things happen to them. Uh, in terms of assigning specific responsibilities, I would have to have more information. You know, as I indicated, I, I feel it's important that it, in advising the president, if confirmed, that I deal with facts, that I deal with sufficient information which means having access to all information. And I'm sure there's a large body of information that I've never seen that's in the classified realm. Uh, I look forward, if confirmed, to become, com- becoming fully informed, but I am not willing to make conclusions 
on what is only publicly available or have been publicly reported. None of this is classified, Mr. Tillerson. These people are dead. Uh, political opponents are your dead. Question was, your question was people who were directly responsible for that. I'm not disputing these people are dead. Okay, well, he's sort of disputing who's responsible for it, which was actually Rubio's question. Again, this is the big unanswered question about Trump. And I do have to say that when it comes to all the political entertainment that surrounds Trump and Russia and BuzzFeed and Trump and all, all this kind of stuff, when you get past all the political entertainment, what you realize is that there are two axes to modern politics. There's the political axis and there's the truth axis. Okay, let's say that you have a chart and there's an x-axis. On this side of the chart, you have truth. On this side of the chart, you have falsehood. On this side, uh, on the on the north axis, you have Republican. On the south axis, you have Democrat. Right now, the x-axis has completely disappeared. All that's left is the y-axis. All that's left is Republican or Democrat. Nobody cares about truth anymore. No one. Okay, so it doesn't matter what Trump's policy is. He's hitting the right people. He's hitting the Democrats. That's all that matters. And on the Democratic side, doesn't matter whether it's true or not. All that matters is whether it's hitting Trump. Once you reach that point in politics, there's no way to have a conversation. There's no way to determine what's true and what's false, what's wrong and what's right, because we're not in the realm of true and false and wrong and right anymore. All we're in the realm of is rooting interest. It just becomes team sport. It just becomes, I root for Trump, I don't root for Trump, I root for Tillerson, I don't root for Tillerson. What Rubio's trying to do here is say things that are true, and people, you know, we'll see whether he votes for Tillerson, but this is a much more important question, Trump's Russian policy, than whether he's slapping CNN around every other day, because sometimes CNN says things that are true, and sometimes they say things that are false. Sometimes their facts are true and their implications are false, and we can analyze all of that, but it should always be done through the prism of what's true and what's false. The reason BuzzFeed deserves to get slapped around today was because they reported something without regard to whether it was true or false. They just put it out there. And I'm old enough to remember when BuzzFeed ripped me for doing that back in 2012 with regard to uh, with uh, Chuck Hagel. Uh, with regard to, uh, there was a story about Chuck Hagel that I put out that was almost exactly like the BuzzFeed story. And BuzzFeed rightfully ripped me up. We never should have run it. And, uh, and you know, we sh and it, was, it was a stupid story. But that's because truth and fiction matter. But I'm not sure that truth and fiction matter to people anymore. I think it's just become rooting interest. And if that's the case, that's really ugly. Um, you know, none of this should make people very comfortable with Rex Tillerson. Bob Menendez asked Tillerson, if he, the, the senator from New Jersey, he asked Tillerson if Tillerson had talked about Russia with Trump. And here was Tillerson's answer on that. For all of these answers that you've given me, does the president-elect agree with you? Uh, the president-elect and I have not had the opportunity to discuss uh, this specific issue or the specific area. Well, in your statement uh, on page three, you say, in his campaign, President-elect Trump proposed a bold new commitment to advancing American interests in our foreign policy. I hope to explain what this approach means and how it implement that policy if I am confirmed as Secretary of State. So I assume to some degree that you've had some discussion about what it is uh, that that worldview is going to be in order to understand whether you're willing to execute that on behalf of the person you're going to work for. In a broad construct and in terms of the principles that are going to guide that, yes, sir. Uh, and I would have thought that Russia would be at the very top of that, considering all the actions that are taking place. Is, is that did not not happen? That has not occurred yet, Senator. It's pretty amazing. Okay, so... Again, I don't think any of this should make you feel very comfortable about Trump and Russia, even though BuzzFeed is a, a flaming bag of crap on this story, uh, and even though the media obviously ran bad information and were excited about that bad information. Okay, meanwhile, I will say this. Trump has just the unique ability to just pee all over Barack Obama's goodbye speech. So Barack Obama said goodbye last night. Does anyone remember that? Does anyone remember as far back as Barack Obama saying goodbye last night? So Barack Obama goes out and he does his goodbye speech. And his goodbye speech is typical Obama. He just stands out there in the middle of a crowd. He doesn't do his goodbye speech like Reagan behind a desk saying goodbye directly to the American people in an intimate setting, explaining what he thinks has gone right. Instead, he goes out there with a big crowd because he needs the worship choir. Uh, and he goes into his, his cadence, you know, the, the, the classic Obama campaign and cadence. And it kind of puts on that real thick accent where it starts dropping the G's. And he doesn't drop it. He's not dropping the G's, right? Then when he's very serious, he's dropping the G's. But when he when he's doing his campaigning, then all those G's they just disappear right into the ether. He starts dropping them left and right, dropping, dropping. Right? So he did that last night in front of this giant crowd, and he recast reality. As I said before, truth and fiction no longer matter. It's just Republican or Democrat, right versus left, and that means that Barack, and part of that is because Barack Obama has actively undermined the truth during his presidency. Barack Obama has spent this entire time building up. A, a notion that his 
presidency has just been a wonder bag of joy. It's just been a unicorn-laden festival of utopianism. It's been just gumdrop skies and rainbow prairies. It's been unreal. It's just been so good. That's what Obama did in his farewell address. And, uh, and, and he said, we all have to come together around a better politics. We need a better politics where we all are respectful to each other. And then, of course, he proceeded to disrespect white people um, because that's his shtick. So here is Barack Obama last night talking about racism. So if we're going to be serious about race going forward, we need to uphold laws against discrimination in hiring and in housing and in education and in the criminal justice system. That is what our Constitution and our highest ideals require. But laws alone won't be enough. Hearts must change. They won't change overnight. Social attitudes oftentimes take generations to change. For white Americans, it means acknowledging that the effects of slavery and Jim Crow didn't suddenly vanish in the 60s. That when minority groups voice discontent, they're not just engaging in reverse racism or practicing political correctness. When they wage peaceful protest, they're not demanding special treatment, but the equal treatment that our founders promised. Okay, so then he's, I mean, that is just Orwellian nonsense. I mean, the fact is that, that, of course, everyone acknowledges that racism had an effect. Everyone acknowledges that people are still living under the after effects of historic racism. Everyone acknowledges that there are individual racists now. That's not the question. The question is, is there an institutional racism that exists and is directed at black people? And when black people protest things like legitimate police shootings in Ferguson or legitimate death of, 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 a, of a person in custody, named Freddie Gray. When I say legitimate, I don't mean good. I don't mean it's something that we're happy about. I mean not unlawful, according to the jury. Right? When that happens, when people are acquitted on the basis of that, and there's a riot, and the city burns down, Barack Obama says all of that is not made up. All of that has to be taken seriously, and white people have to get it. It's white people who don't get it. They have to understand that it's their fault. So when Baltimore burns, because a largely black police force is responsible for the death of, of a black man in a majority black city, with a majority black city council, with a black mayor and a black DA and a black attorney general and a black president, it's only because white people don't get it. That's the big problem here. You know, when Obama says that kind of stuff and then he says, we need to come together, it makes it kind of tough. It makes it kind of tough. When he says stuff like this about climate change, it makes it kind of tough to come together. And this has been his entire presidency, is this dual track. On the one hand, he says, we need to come together for a better politics. And then on the other hand, he says, also, anyone who disagrees with me, you are stupid and you are a problem. And so here he is calling everybody who disagrees with him on the solutions for climate change an idiot. But to simply deny the problem not only betrays future generations, it betrays the essential spirit of this country, the essential spirit of innovation and practical problem solving that guided our founders. It's that spirit, a faith in reason and enterprise and the primacy of right over might that allowed us to resist the lure of fascism. Okay, so he connects actual climate denial, right, the climate change denial, with fascism. If you, don't, if you don't believe in the truth of climate change, then you're a fascist. Okay, so here's, here's my deal with climate change. Is the climate changing? Yes. Is the planet warming? By most available indicators, yes, it is. Is there a correlation with human activity? There is some correlation with human activity. Now, do we know the level of correlation with human activity? Not with any real level of specific exactitude. Do we know what it would take to reverse that? No, we don't, except that the people who are advocating are saying we basically need to go back to 19th century living standards if we want to get rid of the carbon emissions in the air. Okay, does that make me on the level of a fascist? Does that make me on the level of a person who won't listen to truth? I don't think so, but Obama does. And then he wonders why people are so eager for him to get out and, I mean, don't let the door hit you on, on the way out, President Obama. Okay, time for things I like and things I hate. So, things I like. Let's do it. So, we, my, my wife and I finally caught up all the way on Man in the High Castle, and she has watched now all of Game of Thrones. We were looking for a new series last night, and, uh, and we'd been recommended a series by Andrew Clavin. Now, whenever Andrew recommends something, uh, there's always a bit of risk involved, because Andrew has some eclectic tastes. So I will say that, that Andrew's taste in thrillers is really first rate. His taste in, uh, in other areas, meh. So in any case, uh, he, he, he said, because Andrew's a thriller writer. I mean, he's a terrific, terrific thriller writer. And so he really knows what good 
thriller writing looks like. Uh, he had told me that the show Fargo is really good, and I'd been kind of skeptical because I liked the movie, didn't love the movie, but I figured, okay, I already saw the movie. Do I need to watch the TV show? We watched the first episode of Fargo last night. Wow. It is so good. It is so good. It's so well written. It is so clever. Uh, and it is so kind of, it's, it's, it takes a certain joy in playing with people's expectations about the, the niceness of Minnesotans and people who live in the Midwest and playing and, and kind of implying that they're stupid, but they're really not stupid. They're really quite smart underneath. But, you know, playing with the kind of preoccupation with, with of the coastal elites that people in the Midwest are stupid. Uh, and it's it's really, really good. Here's the here's the preview for season one of Fargo. I think it's on FX. Oh, what a day. If that was me, I would have killed that man. If you don't stand up to the boss, the wife, you're just going to get washed away. You okay there, Bill? Wife made spaghetti for dinner. Seemed a shame to barf it up. Gambling problem, I heard. You don't say. I heard drugs. I, I heard he like slept with a 13. For Pete's sake, Bob, don't spread rumors. Now it was gambling. I'm glad my husband's dead. I'm gonna sing at his funeral. La, 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 la. <laughs> it's a bit strange, huh? You think this could be like an organized crime thing? Give me the money. <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. Scrunning? It's really first rate. I didn't so do nothing. Being, I just got home. We can pause it there. I mean, you can see the cast is actually huge. TV is so much better than the movies now. Guys, quick poll TV or movies? That's you in the room. TV or movies? See, see how, are, how are you even hesitating? TV is so good now. And there's like two good movies that come out every year. Like two to three good movies that come out every year. And there are about... You're right, you're right. And there are four good series, and they all have ten episodes in them. I mean, it's, it's like, like Fargo, is, it's fantastic. It's fantastically written. And there's no reason to go to the movies anymore because the only thing you're going to see is Manchester by the sea and you're going to want to drown yourself. So instead, just go watch, watch Fargo or watch Man in the High Castle or watch Game of Thrones. Like, seriously, this is, it's a golden era of television. There have been so many good TV shows that have come out in the last five to seven years. It makes your head spin. I mean, between Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and Man in the High Castle and, and Fargo and... And Black Mirror is terrific, there, the, which I've recommended on the Westworld has. I actually like Westworld, even though it's controversial. Um, yeah, I think that it's there, there's so much good stuff happening on TV right now, and you can see it in the actors, right? Look at the actors that are on Fargo. I mean, these are major motion picture stars, right? The Eli Roth has, is there, Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, you just saw Martin Freeman, who's in all the Hobbit movies, and he's in Sherlock, which is another great series, right? It's, it, there's so much good stuff on TV now; it's really amazing. Uh, thank God we live in an era of, of good television because if you just had to watch politics full-time, while it would be entertaining, it would also be kind of uh, depressing. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So let, let's, let's hate some stuff. Okay, a thing I hate, Stephen King. So I've ripped on Stephen King before. Uh, Stephen King uh, is, is the, premises to all, the, the premise to all of his books, the premises to all of his books are always interesting. They're always kind of cool, right? Like the, the under the dome. The premise is that there's a giant dome and it descends on a city and you don't know why and it just cuts off the city from the rest of humanity. And you're like, okay, this is interesting. Now you've got all sorts of conflicts, families that are separated. What do you do? He doesn't deal with half the ramifications, but he writes like a one bajillion page book about it. And always at the very end of his books, and this is his go-to, at the very end of his books, everything just explodes. Literally explodes. Like that's that's the end of his book. It's the end of the stand. It's the end of it's the end of under the dome. It's the it's the end of every single one of his books now is just and then everything burned up. And it's like, well, screw that, man. I mean, if I wanted to do the Wagnerian ring cycle, I'd just do the Wagnerian ring cycle. I'd watch everything burn up and then the ring would be back as a lump of gold at the bottom of the Danube. Like I don't need the, of the River Rhine. I don't need I don't need nine hours of Wagnerian fat people singing at each other. And that's exactly what Stephen King has become. It's, it's 900 pages of Wagnerian fat people singing at each other, and half the fat people are really stupid, awful Republicans who are caricatures of what actual Republicans are like. They're all ignorant bigots who say the, the N-word all the time and screw and cheat on their wives. It's, it's just, uh, he's so tiresome. The reason I bring up Stephen King is not just to rip on, on Stephen King, who has become tiresome and stupid and requires an editor who is armed with a chainsaw, not an editor armed with a scalpel. I mean, honest to God, all of his books could be 175 pages. And, and when he's short, Stephen King's really good. One of the best short stories ever is a Stephen King story called, uh, I think it's called Smoker's Inc. Uh, and it's really, really good. You can check out a good horror short story. 
But uh, the reason I bring this up is because Stephen King is also a political jackass. I mean, just awful. And so he's on Twitter this morning, and he tweets this out. The current Trump allegations may not be true, but seeing him fed a dose of his own nasty medicine has a certain rough justice. Remember that part a little while ago, like five minutes ago, when I said truth has no, no truck anymore in politics, and it's just which side you're on? This would be it. Right? It doesn't matter if the allegations are true. But at least he's getting what he deserves. At least he's getting what he deserves. We can't live with each other this way, folks. You can't have a society that works on these rules. I don't like you. Therefore, if I trump up evidence about you, totally fine. This is the essence. It's the essence of authoritarian fascism is the idea that if, if people can trump something up about you and you are on the wrong side of the political aisle, that you can therefore be targeted. It's really disgusting. It's really gross. Okay, other things that I hate. So we could have put this in bad Trump, but I wanted to, I felt like it was, it was such a non sequitur in the middle of Trump's press conference that I wanted to point it out. Trump was talking about pharmaceutical companies, and this is such a, it's such a tired talking point that a lot of people use. It's really not my favorite. It, Trump goes after the big pharma, what they call big pharma. Do we, we don't have that? Okay. We'll save that for tomorrow. So Trump, Trump, Trump went after Big Pharma. We'll talk about that tomorrow. So he'll, he'll be spared my hatred on that particular clip until tomorrow. Okay. Time for uh, a little Bible talk because it is a Wednesday. Uh, so on Wednesdays, as I say, the, the Jews, we the Juden, every week we read a different part of the Bible. And this week's portion of the Bible is the end of the book of Genesis. Um, and this is the part where Jacob is on his deathbed and he's blessing all of his sons. And it's kind of interesting. So here is a portion from Genesis chapter 49. So it says, Jacob called for his sons and said, gather and I will tell you what will happen to you at the end of days. Gather and listen, sons of Jacob, listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, the first of my might. You should have been superior in rank and superior in power. You have the restlessness of water. Therefore, you shall not have superiority for you ascended upon your father's couch. Then you profaned him who ascended upon my bed. Uh, Shimon and Levi, Simeon and, Le- and Levi are brothers. Stolen instruments are their weapons. Let not my soul enter their council. My honor, you shall not join their assembly, for in their wrath they killed a man, and with their will they hamstrung a bull. Cursed be their wrath, for it is mighty. Okay, so here is the question. Are these blessings? Are these supposed to be Jacob's blessings? Like, this is final words to his son. And it's like, if you were dying, and you called in your kids, and you called in Jim Bob, and you say, come over here, Jim Bob. Jim Bob, you are such an ass. Let me just tell you, like, you have been just a pain in my ass my entire life. You will not stop. I mean, I've had to bail you out of jail. You're a waste of my time and money. You stink in every possible way, Jim Bob. And then I plot. Not a great blessing, right? Not, Not your favorite blessing. And here's the thing. Jacob really treats his sons differently in these blessings. Like, if you look at his blessing for Judah, his blessing for Yehuda is you're like a lion and you're going to rule over your brothers. And the blessing for Benjamin is like you're like a wolf defending, your, defending yourself. And, and then he gets to Reuben and it's like, you're my firstborn. You should have been awesome, but you kind of suck, huh? And so the question is, why? Why? Why not? If, if, if Reuben was really a problem, why wouldn't you give him a blessing that would raise him up rather than a, a statement about who he is? And this is because in the real world, you know, there, there is a question as to whether blessings of human beings are actually, in my opinion, as to whether if I bless you, does that have any impact? I mean, I'm not God, so I can't bless you. I can sort of pray to God to bless you, but that's not quite the same thing. What we can do is we can describe to you what you are. We don't, it's not our job to raise you beyond what you're capable of by blessing you with blessings you can't possibly fulfill. Right? It is our job to describe to you what you are so that you can limit yourself. So you can become a better human being. The point that Jacob's making here is not, oh, Reuben, I hate you. Go screw yourself. I'm dying. Right? That's not the point that he's making. The point he's making is he's chiding him. It's a duty. He's chiding him. He's saying, I know you can do better. I know you can do better. Right? You can do better than this. And I'm, I'm describing you to yourself because now you know, look, I'm clear-eyed. I'm dying. I have no reason to lie now. And so here's who you are. Be better than this. Simon and Levi, do the same, the Simeon and Levi, do the Levi, do the same thing, right? Here, the, here's all your problems, and I'm going to stack them up before you, and, you, and when, when they see their brother's, brother's breast, blessed, it's actually sort of a replay of what happens at the beginning of Genesis with Cain and Abel, right? God blesses Abel, and he doesn't bless Cain, and he says to Cain, if you, he says, if you struggle, you can overcome, right? You can be like him, but you can do better than this, and Cain's response is to kill Abel. There's been all this conflict between these brothers all the way through the book of Genesis, and finally, at the very end, Jacob says, look, you're, gonna, you're all going to have to live together. But in order for you to live together, you can't be jealous of one another. You're going to have to understand. If you do things badly, you're going to have to get better. It's on you. It's not on Joseph to make Reuben great. It's not on Benjamin 
to make si- uh, Simeon better. It's on Simeon to make Simeon better and Reuben to make Reuben better and Levi to make Levi better. It's your job to make yourself better. And once you accept it, you're capable of that. The reason I'm saying this to you is because you're capable of that. If you weren't capable, I wouldn't chide you. You don't chide a child for not being able to do something the child can't do. You do chide a child when the kid doesn't put forth maximum effort to improve themselves. That's the purpose of the blessings at the end of the book of Genesis. Okay, so tomorrow we will go through more of what Trump had to say about Obamacare, and we'll, we'll talk about his business separation plans a little bit more. Plus, there's just break, news is breaking fast and furious all through the day. I mean, it's like a constant yellow stream of news. That's all I can describe it as. So we'll get to all of it tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.